0: Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey everyone, welcome to the B4 Podcast. My name is Alex.
1: My name is Ashley, and today we are joined by Carol Ann Tsai.
0: Hey, Carol Ann, we're so happy to have you here. What do you do here at the church?
1: I am the Adult
2: Ministries Resource Coordinator.
0: Yes, so that means that she really does serve our team of like 13 different people that work with the adults of our church and helping resource all of us, and what you may not know is that she has set in every podcast since we've started. Mm-hmm. She's helped put together notes and coordinate resources. And if, if we ask a question and then we're like, oh, wait, I don't actually know the answer. And we pause the <laughs> podcast. Within seconds, Carolyn is the one sitting there has the answer. So today, we get to move you in front of the microphone. We're really excited to have you.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's fun for you to be here. I'm excited to be here. Yes, and there's actually a very specific reason that we ask you to be here. Besides yeah. the
0: fact that you're awesome. Besides the
1: fact that you're awesome and that you know a lot about resources. <laughs> and that's because today we wanted to talk about a little bit about mental health, which mm. is kind of a hot topic right now and I think is a hot topic this time of year with seasonal affective disorder and all that. And you right. have a little bit of a history in that, which I will let you explain.
2: Way back in the day, I got a master's in social work, and so I worked... Um, for a few years with alcoholics and drug addicts, and where in Memphis, Tennessee, how fun! And uh, victims of violent crimes for a while. And uh, how many years
0: did you do that?
2: Uh, four or five years total, and then I moved and married and mission work and yeah, came here. That's yeah. amazing.
0: I uh, I'm just going to dive right into this. First off, none of us are experts on mental health.
1: No, I mean, Caroline is, Caroline the, is the closest expert that we
0: have. Um, and we're not doctors, psychiatrists, no, not. any of those things. We all see great psychiatrists. And we won't,
2: <laughs> we won't talk about how many years ago it has been since, since I since graduated. I,
0: right, right. We'll leave that aside. But we're normal people mm-hmm. um, who have had our own journeys through the challenges of mental health. Mm-hmm. We've learned a lot, um, some things through failure and some things through observation, some things through reading and resources and um, some things through success. And today, our goal is to talk about some of those things um, in with a backdrop of the Lenten season, which we mm-hmm. talked about in our last episode as well. Um, Caroline, as you were sharing, five years in social work will take a toll, like you just shared um, a, a group of people that needs a lot of love and a lot of support and a lot of resources. But before we talk about that and its impact, social work's impact on the city and particularly mental health, I'm curious about you, if you don't mind sharing, like how did that working there impact you mentally, emotionally? Or Are you still trying to figure that out? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I do have a therapist that I go yeah. to. <laughs> it's part we of share one actually. <laughs> it's part of good mental health is to yeah. have someone. Um, I think the most impact on me is hearing other people's story and w- not walking in their shoes, but hearing where their shoes have been mm-hmm. um, and getting a feel for who they are, and uh, it helps you to empathize and to see where people are coming from and helps me hopefully have a little bit of grace where I may not have wanted to.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can definitely see that in your life that you deal with a lot, a very wide variety of people in your own life. And I think you are we all have limits to our <laughs> compassion mm-hmm. and to our patience, but you are probably one of the most graceful, compassionate, patient people, especially in dealing with difficult people that I think I've met. So I think that comes across like, God use that to wow. do something cool. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I was telling you the other day, I was uh, the Lord has been speaking to me in a time of prayer and fasting about just some areas of my life that he wants me to work on. And one of them was being a better listener. And literally, (laughs) what I felt the spirit say to me is, you need to be a better listener like Carol Ann. (laughs) And and here's the deal. One of the reasons why is that you can sit with almost anyone and you can listen to them unload anything, whether you agree or disagree, without making a comment and correcting them. Mm -hmm. And I know that is a learned skill over time. That is, (laughs) And that is a lot of practice and all of those things. But that is a challenge for somebody like me. But I also know, um, you know, particularly in the realm of mental health, as somebody is beginning to share what they're going through emotionally, one of the worst things you can do is correct them, right? (laughs) And I've learned some of this Mm -hmm. from you. And so thank you. Thank you for being such a great model to that.
2: Oh, you're Mm -hmm. welcome. And that um, is really one thing I feel that the church offers people in this season. Mm.
0: Um,
2: a lot of people who are hurting, the biggest impact you can have on their lives is to listen to them share and then mm-hmm. let them unburden. Um, we can't be counselors. Right. Uh, we can't offer that therapy, but we can listen. Yeah. and uh, it, it gives them right. a bit of comfort. Yeah,
0: and in a world where we are, we are much, <laughs> how do I say this? It's so easy to speak mm-hmm. right now. And, and everybody has an opinion. Yeah. And everybody leads with their words and not their ears. And it's just refreshing to get to be around somebody who is a listener. And I wonder what would happen if we took more time to listen than to yeah. speak. Yeah. Ironically we're on a podcast talking. Yeah, talking.
1: Well, actually, I have a question about that. Um, The listening, was that a skill that you kind of naturally had? Or Mm. was that something that you had to purposely develop, either as a part of your coursework or just over your life? And if the second part typical ashley three-part question if it was a developing (laughs) thing like what are some hints maybe you can give us if that's something that we're wanting to develop or if we did not if we were just if we were just born with that i guess we're all hopeless but i'm hoping you have some advice
2: (laughs) (laughs) which question would you (laughs) start with um born with it or learned i think it's a bit of both yeah i think it's a bit of both and a bit of my story uh so, yes, in social work, we have to take interviewing classes and counseling classes and learn how to mm-hmm. be a counselor.
0: Right.
2: Um, and then I had a great professor who made us go to counseling mm-hmm. and see what it felt like to be on the other side wow. and mm-hmm. and because you can't do something you haven't experienced. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that background. And then I have the unfortunate ability to turn invisible and mm. for a long time I lost my voice mm. but in that God mm. always plants seeds and I learned to listen wow. and I learned to pick up what was going around me so wow. and then you know as I've aged and maybe gotten healthier and worked mm-hmm. through things I've I found more of my voice and but yet I've still held on to what I gained Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. it's so important that like, gosh, school is one of the greatest things that is out there. I mean, it's a great modern day invention that we can all go to school online, whatever. And it fills us with head knowledge, but what you're talking about is actually now taking that and applying it into your life mm-hmm. and, and letting it kind of tumble through your own soul. Um, you know, It's one thing to read about how to have a conversation with an addict, it's a whole nother thing to sit down and actually have a conversation yeah. with an addict and it can wear on you. And it's very cool to hear, um, not the hard parts of your story aren't cool, that's not what I'm trying to say, but like the person you have become today is the only one I know. (laughs) But to hear your story now and sharing the process that you became this person, it's it's really cool.
2: Well, you and I have talked about this. It's when you sit down and tell people parts of your lives or even when you sit down at Christmas and talk about things, you talk about the hard seasons or the things, the times when Mm -hmm. nothing went right and it, becomes a funny story <laughs> um so you know the hard parts of my life when i walked through them i would never say i wanted to do them again no. but yet i grew the most in them
0: yeah
1: so earlier i asked you like a four-part question which was very unfair <laughs> of me. almost five um yes <laughs> typical me uh but i did want to get back to one piece of that question which was um how or if, if someone was to come to you and ask for advice how do i become a better listener what would you say to them The number one thing is to stop talking. It's very
2: hard for some of us. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It is, but it's the only way to hear someone else's story and to give them space.
0: Mm.
2: Mm. And sometimes you have to sit in the silence and let them have time Mm -hmm. because going into the space is scary.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's something I've noticed. Um, You and I have led a couple of different small groups together and we've had to be be okay with people might not say anything for 20 seconds and we're just going to wait. Yeah. And so eventually somebody does talk and usually what they say is awesome, but we have to give them the space to do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Alex, you mentioned earlier about your journey and uh, mental health
0: yeah, and how quite the journey.
2: Can you share a little bit about
0: that? Yeah. Um, so we have some in our family, we have some um, mental health uh, issues from extended family members, all sorts of issues from like bipolar to mm. schizophrenia, all sorts of different things. And I'm learning that sometimes this stuff can pass on in various degrees um, from one generation to the next. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was 18, 19 years old and I began to experience emotions that I had no idea what they were. I had no, like, I had no mental schema for these things. Um, The dominant emotions were anxiety, depression, and um, overwhelming sense of hopelessness. I was 18, and I just felt like I had no center in my life anymore. Mm. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. No one was talking about mental health at this point either. Um, It's very recent that all of a sudden we've been having these conversations Mm -hmm. in an open sense. And again, I kind of grew up in and around the church, and I heard all sorts of good messages that kind of moved me, but— when I hit this moment, I had no idea what to do with it. And it crept up on me. Like it wasn't, like I. it was just a series of events and all of a sudden I found myself in despair and, and really didn't know how to even navigate my way up. And I got to the point where I legitimately thought, if this is what life is like, then I just don't need to keep living anymore. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. It was really scary. Um, I got super sick. I, I didn't realize how connected my emotions were to my physical body at the time. Mm-hmm. I ended up in the hospital. I, you know, they joke about the freshman fifteen. I lost the <laughs> freshman thirty <laughs> within like two months. Um, my body was reacting to stress so much so that it literally stopped digesting food. Mm-hmm. And the only way that uh, I could get my body working again was to flush barium through my body. Which was wild experience, and it was very uncomfortable <laughs> and very unpleasant. But um, I found myself like right after that, I, it was literally like a three month window of time, a short window of time. I, I moved back home after my failed first semester at college, laying on my bed at my parents' house, just going, "I, where do I go from here?" Mm. And I, all I felt was, I, it wasn't like an audible voice or anything, I just felt hope for the first time. Hmm. And that's literally like, that began to change my story. And so that was my introduction to the even concept <laughs> of mental health. That's a rough that introduction. Was crisis. And
2: that's pretty drastic. Mm-hmm.
0: It was for me, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was a really happy kid. Like I didn't, like growing up and through high school and stuff, I didn't have any like pattern of any of this. It just hit me out of the blue. Hmm. So, in that, there is a lot of things that I had to learn <laughs> in order to function as an adult. If I was gonna go keep on living, I couldn't live like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had to figure out, like, what is the best way forward for me? And what,
1: what skill, yeah. what what
0: did you do then? Well, one of the first things I did right, right off the bat was I realized I didn't have any good friends. Mm. And what I mean by good friends is, like, we did stuff together, but I didn't have anybody that I could tell, like, hey, this is why I'm struggling. This is mm-hmm. why I'm hurting. Without like, you're soft. Or like, I, I was yeah. a collegiate athlete. I grew up in the sports world. And so some of that was just part of like, if, if you had a bad day, toughen up and get over it, mm-hmm. right? And so those were my people. And like, they were as immature as me. Nobody, and so I didn't have anyone in my life where I truly felt like, here's who I am. Here you go. Mm-hmm. and it was gonna be received in a way that could be helpful. So one of the first things I had to do was take inventory of that. I have no real friends.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly, I think that is, whether no matter what time of life, I think we all, or most people have a time when they kind of have that realization. Because right. I think I went through something similar coming out of college, where it was like, oh, I've had like, set up friends for mm-hmm. my whole life of school and then college and then oh now I'm like in the real world and right. there's not like established this is where you're meeting people and having that same experience of who are my people now and do my people like do we have to look like we're on the show friends <laughs> or like can yeah. my friend be this like sweet little old woman that I read at, met at Bible study that seems to really like me for some reason. Right. Um, so yeah I think that's such a common experience and even in church can be common of feeling like you need a place to belong
0: yeah comparison i think um to what our culture said was good friendships Mm -hmm. was a challenge for me um, Mm -hmm. because i was like i have that and it's empty you know and so there was a there was a challenge in that i didn't even know how to be a friend and i'll be honest i still struggle to this day being a good friend Mm -hmm. not because i don't want to be but because i'd never really learned the skills of how to like Pursue someone and have that relationship. And so it's been a work in progress. And I'm much better than I was. And I actually do have some close friends today. But that was one of the first things that hit me. And then the second thing, it's it's funny because I remember talking to a friend of mine who was like, Where do I date? Like, where do I even find like (laughs) someone who's a normal human being? It's a great question. And like that is a great question, and for a future date when we talk about dating. <laughs> which is coming. Which is coming. But I had the same thing, like, where do I even find a friend? Yeah. Like, where do I even look? Like, where, mm-hmm. where where can I even find the kind of person, people that I need in my life? And, um, you know, the, growing up around church, again, it was one of those crisis moments. I was like, well, I better find some in church. Maybe that's the right place <laughs> yeah. to do it. And I know like I know a lot of people want that same thing. They have that same desire to mm-hmm. like find something uh, greater than themselves in the world and they think maybe the church would be the place to find it and it always breaks my heart when they show up in that that, that place and they can't connect. Mm-hmm. That and, is
2: And it's hard. It oh, is really hard. Especially I'm I'm really introverted and yeah. to throw me in a group of people and expect me to relate to anyone else in the room is is yeah stupid i just don't
0: do it yeah, but speaking of introvert i didn't even know if i was introverted or extroverted <laughs> like i was so craving relationship uh-huh. that i'm like i'm an extrovert every i want to be around everybody and mm-hmm. then the closer i got to that i realized no actually not like uh-huh. like i'm craving being by myself i'm super confused yeah. and what am i and so i mean that's a really good point is like how do you stretch yourself when even self-discovery is a huge part mm-hmm. of that yeah. um I'm,
1: and can I ask a, a question yeah. to actually to both of you? Because yeah. uh, one would be, what did you end up doing yeah. to find friends? And then hopefully we come back around to Carol as an introvert. What does that look like for you of knowing that piece about yourself, that you are more introverted? Yeah. What does that process look like? Go for it. Alex. Yeah.
0: Um, well, <laughs> like I said, it breaks my heart when people try to find community in the church mm-hmm. and they can't find it. Um, it's one of the reasons why I do what I do is to try yes. to help that. Because my story was I did show up at a church and I made a friend Mm -hmm. and he changed my life. And then I made another friend and he changed my life. And so I want that for everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, that was one of the biggest things. And I realized like if I was going to show up, I I wasn't going to meet anybody unless I did something. Mm -hmm. Unless I got involved. And so I started to serve. And it was like stacking chairs, putting chairs away, stacking chairs, putting chairs away. I'd yeah. clean a toilet or vacuum a floor. I didn't care. Just wanted um, to be with people wanted and, and but I wanted it to be meaningful. And I discovered something in all of that was, um, and we can talk about this later. But service actually changed everything for me hmm. because I, I realized that my depression, anxiety, stress—it was all so internally focused on mm-hmm. myself and. It was subtle. I didn't know this. But as soon as I started doing something for someone else that got me nothing, yeah, all of a sudden it began to change me.
1: Yeah. And we should recognize there are people for which like, that's not a magic bullet. No, no, not, not at all.
0: Like that. But
1: that is one of the first steps, like, at least in my life when I've dealt with similar things, that's one of the first steps of like, I am in my head too much. And right. it, just the act of taking my eyes off myself and looking towards somebody else can be yeah. a big help.
0: There is no magic bullet. Right. There is There's no one size fits no. all answer. There's I any answer to this question is gonna give you like fifteen chapters of a book because yes. there's so many different ways. Yes. But those were just a couple. Carolyn, yeah. I'm I am super curious. As an introvert, navigating relationships in a place where it's brand new to you. What has that journey been like for you?
2: I think it looks very intentional on my part, knowing mm-hmm. myself is I have to make an effort to reach out. And not just stand there. And that's hard, especially if you're new. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I do is I ask a question and get someone else to talk and then I don't have to, (laughs) (laughs) which is cheating. But, you know, I hear their story and then I'm able to find places where I connect to it and Mm -hmm. um, have a conversation over a commonality rather than just chatting over fashion which i don't get. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well but that actually like that ties to you are a good listener and just the importance of that. Even you don't have to be the world's best conversationalist to be able to make a friend. It's Thank actually God. in some ways more important to be a good listener. Yeah. Cuz yeah. even that just opens the door for people. All right, so Alex, you said community was kind of the first thing that helped you. Yeah, friends, yeah. And you said that there were a couple of other things. Oh, man. I had to ask the questions to interrupt you, but I didn't want to hear the rest of the other things. Yeah.
0: Well, I mentioned earlier that I was a collegiate athlete, and Mm -hmm. so much of my time growing up, I was always exercising. I was always moving. And after I was done playing basketball – I stopped. (laughs) Uh. I didn't have a coach yelling at me, telling me to run lines. I didn't have something to train for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, growing up, running was punishment. It was not (laughs) something you did for, you know, pleasure. My
1: husband says the same (laughs) thing. He also played sports.
0: Yeah, it was training. It was punishment. It was not like, hey, let's go out and have a run. That'll be fun. But I realized, like, I, I didn't, like, you know, gain a whole bunch of weight or get super unhealthy or anything like that. But I... I realized that every day that I moved was a better day, mm-hmm. and um, and so I, I began to have to retrain my brain that a run is not evil or bad mm-hmm. or you know punishment, that it could actually be enjoyable. And it takes it took years to enjoy and motivating myself to get up early and to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, and, and scientists have proven this, that like you move for 20 minutes a day and kind of elevate your heart rate, your overall happiness elevates. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> like again, I, these, I'm, <laughs> I'm not the brightest you know bulb in, in the drawer. Like I just kind of go through life, experience things and try to learn from them. And this was one of them I came to that conclusion. Oh, when I move, I'm, I'm better. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like I'm breaking the world push-up record. It was like I got outside and I walked for 20 minutes. Or, you know, and obviously as a competitor, I had to get more and more intense (laughs) than that. But but yeah, I mean, from friends to service of other people and then recognizing how integrated my mental health was to my physical body and some things as easy as movement. Yeah, and I think that's been one of
1: the things that I've noticed, at least in my own life through 2020, was, like, I had been doing these, like, yoga workouts on my phone for, Mm. like, four years. And it was because I didn't didn't play sports growing up. I'm very klutzy. I'm not athletic at all. I did gymnastics for, like, two years and was very bad at it when I was, like, seven. So, like, I don't like doing things I'm not good at. So I hadn't really done anything, but I was kind of looking at my life and being, like, I need to do something physical. So I had been doing these yoga workouts. And I will say... My mental health is better even in just doing a basic stretching exercise. And, you know, taking walks with my dog during the pandemic, I felt better the longer I walked or the more I did workouts. And now I'm trying to, like, I'm slowly getting better. We've done yoga and walking, and now I'm doing some running. (laughs) So, like, you know, we're constantly improving, but it doesn't matter so much what you're doing, it's just the fact that you are doing something and even, you know, just moving your body. And being more aware of how your body feels improves your mental health. Or am I wrong? Ms. No, that's right. I I expert over here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that's a great place to start. It, and exercise does break the stress cycle too. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are feeling a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, mental health doesn't always have to be a diagnosis. It no. can just be um, getting your brain thinking right and, right. and being the best of who you are at yeah, the and, to potential yeah.
0: Even in you just what you just said it speaks to the stigma um, around mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my mentors early in my ministry journey told me that he sees a doctor for his physical body, and he should see a doctor for his mental space mm-hmm. and as a checkup. As a and, and it's interesting because particularly within Christianity, there has been a movement um, as of late to recognize that this is actually okay. This is good. This is healthy. But when I started in ministry, this was not okay, good, or healthy. You you had to be farther along than the people around mm-hmm. you. You couldn't talk about this kind of— uh, God forbid an idea that we would be able to sit here and have a podcast episode on this, and it, I could share any of what I just shared. Mm-hmm. That all had to be done in private, and quiet, behind closed doors. And if you went
2: to therapy, you were in big trouble. You were trouble. really in big trouble. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And, and, and you couldn't treat it like an actual doctor for your body where you're fine-tuning things and mm-hmm. making sure nothing burns down. It was like, no, that's— that means something has burnt down. Mm-hmm. And so shifting that stigma has been really important. That's been part of the journey, too. Mm-hmm.
2: I think there's a lot of people that still don't see a therapist uh, For those because reasons. of that. And yeah. that and financial, it's expensive. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, and in social work, you ran into that often. Yeah, Talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, it's hard. I mean, even now, uh, I don't think Medicare... Reimburses for counseling mm. um, unless you have a diagnosis, and right. a lot of people just need a therapist to mm-hmm. talk and process their right. mental state at the moment. Um, it doesn't mean that you need to for years, and it but Medicare doesn't cover it. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of people who are suffering from being alone, um, being isolated, right. and and don't have the means to to get right. that. And so I I find it sad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
0: think. Part of that is why so many hacks like us (laughs) are talking about it, because if we have learned anything that could help somebody else, it's why we're willing to sit here and have this conversation.
2: And it's one of the beautiful things about the church, because like I said, we don't provide therapy, but we do provide a community and a place where we can listen um, and at least give people a space to to talk and to process what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. That yeah, a,
1: I took a when I was working on my master's of divinity, which is the most pretentious sounding degree <laughs> of all time. I had to take I have at a least BS and
0: BS. <laughs> that might be worse. That I'm might not be sure. worse. Uh,
1: but we had to take a class on like biblical counseling, and it was interesting. Like I hadn't done counseling before. I had thought mm-hmm. it was valuable, but I had never had anything that was you know like so bad that I needed to go to counseling. But even just like like we did listening exercises together, and even like the little small group of people that we mm-hmm. had in our lab. I was like, oh, like just being able to like share what's going on in your head and in your Mm -hmm. heart with somebody who, you know, is like not going to share it somewhere else or maybe in we weren't even supposed to really give each other advice. The exercises that we were doing were more of just like try to get the person to talk more about that, try to get them Mm -hmm. to figure out from their own talking, like what is actually going on of just being like, oh, like, really this actually... Like, there are people who need professionals. But I think a lot of us could just use a listening ear of somebody right. who has those listening skills. And even that can go a long way. And it's free, right. um, which is a bonus. And, and really, the honest answer is most people
2: don't need advice.
1: Yeah, right. they need a listening ear. Yeah. They, don't need, they don't need judgment. They don't need advice. They They just need somebody to hear them out. Because often, at least what's happened to me, is as I'm talking... I realize myself what I need to do. I just need a sounding board mm. and somebody else maybe to tell me I'm not crazy um, or to empathize in certain parts of the conversation. But I, yeah, I don't, I'm not looking for a sage, I'm just looking for a All sounding right. board.
0: You know, one other thing that I found helpful and was contrary to my personality was routine. Mm. Um, I like spontaneity, <laughs> it's fun to me, but I thrive in routine. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard lesson to learn. Um, my mental health thrives when I have a structure. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the challenge of this season and this year is that it's hard to find yeah. that. And it was constantly disrupted. You would make a plan, the plan would get kind of ripped out from underneath yeah. you.
1: And it's also bad for our mental health to have that much disruption yeah. over that long of a time.
0: But I would say to as much as you can, um, whoever's listening to this, and maybe this is helpful for you, having some idea of a structure of a bedtime and a wake up time, and what do you do when you first wake up? And what do you, you know, and I have three little kids at home. and so there's a lot of chaos. But <laughs> there are certain parts of my day that I know will always be the same, like wake up and bedtime. and you know what I do before and after those times. And that has helped immensely just stay steady.
2: My so. wake-up always involves coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 100% of the time. Yeah,
1: yeah well, it's in there too. What I think is funny about that is that you know routine is super important. And we have this beautiful thing, the liturgical calendar, and mm-hmm. these seasons that some very, very smart people many, many moons ago right. came up with of these are routines that we can go through that help our mental health. The season of Lent helps remind us that we do need to take time to take stock of our emotions, of how yeah. we're feeling. Um, and those kinds of things are important. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, think that's That's, that's so cool. good.
0: I mean, we're going to have to wrap the conversation up for now. But yes. there's two people in the Bible, two characters, that if you're listening to this, I would encourage you to go sit and just learn from them. Because I think they struggled with mental health. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a schema for that back then. But um, when you look at it now, you're like, yeah, I think David was a little bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> have you read <laughs> the Psalms Have you recently? read the Psalms? One moment, you know, God is amazing. And the next moment, God has abandoned him. And I have found that the Psalms actually have really helped me chart the anatomy of my own soul mm-hmm. to figure out what way is up and what's my north and what's true and what's not. And also how to express what I'm feeling. And the other character is Elijah. There's not a lot mm-hmm. said about Elijah. Um, he kind of has a little blip but um, there's a story where he is so depressed, he just wants to die. Mm-hmm. And God meets him in that story through and an angel. He gives him a angel.
2: nap and cake. Yeah,
0: he gives him a <laughs> nap and cake. And, he, and that, that, when I read that, and, and I know it's joked about often, but it was freedom for me mm-hmm. because he didn't say like, you need to fast more, you need to do more, yeah. you need to be better, you need to attend more. It, he didn't just say you need to take a nap and here's some cake. He also said, you're not alone. hmm That was one of the most powerful moments in all of it. He is like, No, I have a whole remnant that I've held on to. You are not by yourself. Mm -hmm. But before you go to them, take a nap and eat (laughs) some (laughs) cake.
1: You'll be a (laughs) happier person. There's a lot to be said for sleep.
0: (laughs) There is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother one. But yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, hey, send us off.
1: Yeah, well, if you're interested in reading some of the Psalms, we are reading some of those Psalms in our upcoming Lent devotional, which we hope you'll be a part of. Those are going to be available physical copies to pick up on February 11th, and the actual devotional starts on Ash Wednesday, which is February 17th. We hope that you'll be a part of that journey. It's going to mirror really well some of the stuff that we've been talking about on this podcast, some of the things coming out of the Shema series. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you are subscribed to our channels on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. Um, Also, if you know somebody that this podcast would have been really encouraging or would be really just something somebody needs to hear, feel free to share that with them. It's one of the best ways that people can hear us. And if you think we're helpful, hopefully you think it'd be helpful to someone else. Um, But we look forward to seeing you next week uh, here on the podcast.
0: Well, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at b4church. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.